We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to talk about our old friend Rajan Rondo, who has returned to the Los Angeles Lakers on a vet minimum deal after getting bought out by the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Darius, the arc, the story arc for the Lakers with Rajan Rondo was one of my favorites over the last several years. Few players have ever driven me as crazy as regular season Rajon Rondo. And I think to some extent, his playoff run is a little bit romanticized as playoff runs tend to get when you win a championship. It happens. That said, he was good in those playoffs. He was a much better player than he was in those regular seasons. So the news of him resigning with the Lakers, depending on his role, I am chuckling to myself that I find myself like, yeah, that's. I'm happy Rondo's coming back. Where do you stand on that? Because I know I took quite a journey to get to that point. Talk about an M. Night Shyamalan twist. I haven't seen the new movie, right? <laughs> I haven't seen old, uh-huh. right? But us talking about Rondo this way is a very much like Sixth Sense, like he was dead the whole time. Like, oh, holy shit. Look at these guys. Like the twist on this one. I don't know where this came from. I didn't see it coming. And that's sort of how I am when it comes to Rondo. Rondo was a rotation player on the Clippers last year, and he helped them in a variety of ways until he didn't anymore, and then he stopped playing. I think Ty Lue was extra finicky with his playoff rotations last year, so I don't know what to take away from the idea that he wasn't playing towards the end of their playoff run, where they were having some real success. But to get to the point where... We are embracing Rondo coming back or looking at it through a positive light. That's definitely a shift. Remember his first season, right? And him taking minutes away from Lonzo. And it's sort of like, oh, this dude's closing games instead of Rondo. And then even the next season where it's just like, why isn't Caruso in? How come it's Rondo again? Yeah, All of these things like, oh, he died on another screen. And then I think about, The play against the Heat where 
sideline pick and roll. And then he drives on Bam and then he does like a spin move and then finishes in traffic. And I'm just like, holy shit. Where did this that come dude, from? Right? <laughs> this dude. Uh-huh. Oh man. Stabbing us all in the heart, but with a championship dagger, right? Like yeah. and so whatever reservations you had, Rondo is the epitome of where I hope I'm wrong is 100%. That perfectly describes, I think, so many Lakers fans' relationship with him yeah. over the course of, of his two seasons. The, the idea of, I hope I'm wrong, but you really don't think you are. It's just a thing that you say. Well, guess what? A lot of us were wrong. And we ate our crow, and we ate it while staring at a championship banner being raised. And, and so I think we were all very happy to, to be wrong. I'm very interested, though, Mike, in examining sort of in this initial stage and then over the course of the season, too, like what his role actually ends up being and what he does bring to the table in terms of tangible stuff versus intangible stuff and, and how much of how much of a gap there is between those those things because i think there's there's going to be a wide variety of views about how much he's going to help the team this year and why and i'd love to just get your thoughts on on any or all of those things yeah we've spent plenty of time relitigating the way that we talked about rondo and i am was right there with you guys on all that and i mean i think that like the first thing that i did the, the first part of it was oh look at these caruso on off numbers versus rondo and that was and started asking the coaching staff about it and all that. So that that goes way back. But then he he gets his credit um, as has been properly given. So it does make this complicated as I try to think about this year, because the last thing that I want to do is count him out again. And and then he ends up coming in in certain key pieces or uh, key spots. My first impression, like just just my own basketball thoughts about how he fits into this roster is more of a, I don't want to say completely in the way that a, a Dudley was last year, where he, you know he's he's not going to be expected to play every night, uh, and and I already want to separate it from Dudley because I still think he can come in in certain uh, situations and actually help. He can get the ball in the right spots. He can he's like a guy that you don't necessarily want him day to day in the regular season, but if there's a particular game and more more likely a bigger game and your team's not playing the right way, Vogel can just go to him. Hey, go and clean this up. Get us into some stuff. Put guys in the right spots, and he can win you a couple games. And that, to me, is where the ideal way of using him in the regular season would be as a bit of a spot player, get him some minutes here and there, um, help integrate some of the new players, and then he's going to be super active in the film room. He's going to be super active in practice because that's just what his personality is. So I see him as as not a night-to-night -night rotation player like where last time he was here, he was basically the backup point guard, you know, for the most part, regardless of what was going on. And then if he was struggling on a certain night, maybe Vogel went with Caruso more. But he was the guy that got that first call. It seems to me that this year, that that first call with what the rest of this roster is, should be Kendrick Nunn. And even though that's a, he's not a point guard, point guard, in a sense, just for what the team's needs are with, with speed and finishing at the rim and shooting, like those types of things. And I don't know if that's how Frank Vogel is approaching this. We'll find out in, uh, I mean, man, September. So we'll find out in less than a month. At least we'll have the initial conversation about it. But that's the way that I see it, Pete. Uh, what, what is, where's your head with this? 
Yeah, I think that's the ideal role for him is that in that Jared Dudley spot. And now that may be a little bit wishful thinking. And I know we'll talk about that, Darius. I know you've got some thoughts to that end. Before we talk about the tangible, what he brings to the table, I do want to spend a little time on the intangible because I think it's important with this team in particular. His basketball IQ and his work in the film room and the way that he embraces younger players and teaching and the mentorship aspects are well chronicled. I also think, you know that that picture, that situation with the Clippers where he's just given the nastiest look to Kawhi Leonard as they're walking off the floor? I think that right there is super important with a team like this, with the cast of characters that we have. There's a lot of guys on this team that, remember, we calculated like the overall earnings of this roster and it was like $1.77 billion. There are a lot of guys who have accomplished a lot in this league on this roster that have egos and ego is I hate the way that ego is always put forward as a bad thing. It's certainly not. They have reasons to believe in themselves the way that they do. One of the things that people like that, that have lived their lives like that can be prone to one of their weaknesses is they're not trying to hear anybody. Secondly, they also attract a lot of yes men in their lives of people that either their stature is so great where they don't feel like they have to listen to somebody that's beneath them or the people that are around them don't have the courage to speak up and call that. And so that that look, Darius, uh, that he gave Kawhi Leonard, there's going to be times this season where people need to be called out. People of serious stature, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a sign of bad chemistry. It's a sign it's of not. good chemistry yes. is that ability to hold each other accountable and be like, look, I know who you are. We still need you to make that rotation. To get to where we want to go, we need – everybody on this and having that type of presence and coming from another person who has stature himself. He may not be the player that he once was, but Rajon Rondo can call those players out as a peer in ways that other players cannot. So from the intangible perspective, I love this signing. Kobe once called Rondo an asshole and he meant it in the most affectionate way possible. Right. If Kobe called you an asshole, that was like, oh, my goodness, you have reached a certain (laughs) Mount Rushmore of status. I think when you talked about the idea of like, yes, men or potential hangers on Rondo is a dude who will tell you that your shit stinks and it's time to clean it up, Mm -hmm. basically. But it's true. When you talk about a guy like Rondo, it inspires a few expletives because that's how this dude plays. And that's sort of his impact on a roster when you talk about intangibles. We've talked a lot about Russell Westbrook's intangibles and LeBron James's intangibles and even Anthony Davis, right? And when Jared Dudley left the team, I think it was framed as some intangibles walked out the door, right? And Rondo is definitely bringing some of those back. And there is a basketball IQ element to this. There is a, hey, we've got a bunch of smart people who are going to be able to attack a game plan and dissect an opponent's scheme and troubleshoot and brainstorm solutions that are going to help you win not only a regular season game potentially, but a playoff game or maybe the most important playoff game. The value in that can be exponential to your team. And and so from an intangible standpoint, I think I'm with you 
100%. I do think that we do need to think about, though, the bridge between intangible and tangible production and how that bridge is connected. Like what goes in the middle there to bring it all together for Rondo's role to be viable on this specific team? And, and what role does he take on? Too much credit is given in the advance of these things. Like, oh, I'm sure Rob Palinka had a conversation with Rajon Rondo. And, <laughs> sure. and I'm sure Frank Vogel spoke with Rob Palinka and they had conversations, right? Like there's a lot of that assuming going on and maybe all of that stuff did happen i'm not here to say that it didn't it's one thing to talk about these things and it's another thing to deploy them in practice how does it play out when it's actually time and frank vogel trusts rajon rondo there's going to be four players on this roster who have won a championship with the lakers under frank vogel lebron james anthony davis dwight howard and rajon rondo THT. THT. THT's like, hey, yes. man. Yes. He was the guy who Anthony Davis knocked down after he celebrated the three-pointer he hit Trucked against him. the Nuggets. Trucked and THT him. was in street clothes. And so that's not to diminish THT's contributions because he played well against the Rockets. But I'm just saying my, my apologies. Stop taking the ring off his finger, Darius. For forgetting about THT. But I think Vogel's going to hold those four guys particularly – in high esteem. I think he's, and I think he holds THT in the right amount of esteem as a young and up and coming player. And we'll get to THT in another one of the, hey, we're going to do a whole pod about that. But Vogel clearly had a soft spot for Rondo. And he was a guy who he inherently trusted. And it didn't matter if you had stats to back up an opinion about whether or not Rondo should be held in as high as regard as it looked like he was. An already crowded Lakers rotation just added another player who the head coach trusts, and he trusts for a really good reason. And do you think that that complicates things? Because I think what you said before is in an ideal world, Rondo would have this sort of role, sort of a relief pitcher type, not an everyday player. But this dude was a rotation player on a playoff team last year. I don't see him going quietly into the night personally. And so does it complicate things that this dude has a history with this head coach and his history is as a key rotation player? It could. I mean, it could. We, we've already spent a little time in previous pods just trying to get to the logjam that there already is in terms of guys who could play in the backcourt. And so if Bazemore starts, then is there a way that you can play, you know, both Ellington um, and none and then have, you know, if, and if there are those backup spots and then have room for THT unless he's or vice versa, right? Maybe THT is the first one you plug in, but then is there, is there a chance to play Ellington um, and Monk and, Bazemore if somebody else is starting so it, it does it does get into that and if you're going to have Rondo be in that backup point guard role then one of those guys is definitely not playing and maybe that's fine like we uh, all of that I think will be will be figured out and if if they decide that they're better off by having Rondo have a more regular role then maybe this time around we're gonna, I'm gonna have to actually trust Frank Vogel as opposed to just pining for more Caruso uh, minutes you know, up to the point where Rondo becomes the significant playoff performer. So I'm, I'm more or less just kind of like not going to worry about that part and let that play itself out. At least that's what I'm telling myself in my head. 
what I want to get to, if I can, your comment about Kobe calling Rondo an asshole and meaning it as a compliment. And I loved it because what does he mean by in, with the world asshole there? Yeah. Yeah. What does he mean? He means honest, direct, uh, self-assured, and smart. Like it's – those are all – that's really what it means. So somebody that – like in order to tell somebody what you really think, A, you have to know what you're talking about. That you have to you have to have because you're not if that person's going to come back at you, then you got to have the next comeback to that. And then you have to be comfortable enough in your own skin that you don't care if that person doesn't necessarily like the way that you said it. And that's the part of the locker room stuff that Pete referred to that I, I do think is super important when you have stars of the level of LeBron and A.D. and Russ and Rondo has been he's been with all types of guys. His first guy, his first vet like that was KG, who is not the easiest person to be around, but it sure pays off if you know how to press those buttons the right way. And Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, also not necessarily the easiest teammates, and then goes all the way through where he is today. So I'm totally with that. I'm totally with Pete's earlier statement. I just I just thought it was worth examining what Kobe meant, right? Because he sometimes when we say – asshole we just think of a more simple like a synonym like dick or something you know something like that just like somebody that's not that's just a jerk or something and that's not what he means like that's not what he means rondo can be you know he can get on guys he can he can but he's more he's really more playful than that and vogel's whole thing with swag that's vogel's way of saying that he thinks rondo is cool i i really think that's what he rondo comes (laughs) in the gym and vogel's like this is this is like a cool dude. You know, he's kind of funny. He's loud. He's he's pointing. Right. He's smart. Like that's that's, I think, the the way I would describe what those guys are thinking about if I could be so bold. So I agree with your point that he doesn't. I think when Kobe says that he means like he's not just a jerk because Rondo yeah, is yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. a jerk. He's got yeah. that, there was that moment where we played who was with, I think he was with Atlanta at the time. And he like shoves the ball into Dennis Schroeder's face. Dennis well, he's, Schroeder's he's a jerk on the court, Pete. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm saying off the court. Like the, 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 that's the way that we, the description of him as an asshole. Um, the off the court stuff, I think jerk is selling it way short. I don't think that gets to it. No, no, I, I totally agree. But it's, I, I think that that component of it, that there is an offensive component or an offensive component to Rondo that is absolutely intentional, that is part of the very undercovered sure. and under understood yeah, yeah, yeah. of the psychological components. Uh, it's no coincidence that it was his brother and him getting Westbrook all riled up in the bubble. Rondo's always on some shit. He's always doing something like that and it is premeditated is it in, it is intentional he has identified that person on the other team like this guy right here i can get under this guy's skin and i can make them be less effective it's one of the ways that he can and so that idea i you're totally right that it is about being honest about holding people accountable about that the when kobe says that it's with that affection that you talk about darius but there is uh there it is about being a jerk too. And there, yes, there's, it is. there's a value is. a value to that as well. Well, there's a value to it when it's on your side. That's right? what I'm saying. Yeah, like, like, when you say he's an asshole, he's our asshole now, right? Yeah, like, yes. Yeah, yes. You have him back. Yes, exactly. And that idea of, I would say too, that some of it isn't premeditated. Some of it unfolds as it goes. And then 
you start to understand, oh, I can use this to my advantage. So I'm going to continue to press in that direction. And that's where sort of that IQ comes into play and where that general smarts comes comes into play. I think Vogel too understands that your relationship with your point guard as a head coach is probably the most important relationship that you can have as sort of the guy who is truly the coach on the floor. Mike, when you described Rondo's ideal role earlier, it reminded me a little bit of how Phil Jackson used to use Luke Walton as sort of the triangle whisperer. I, I would almost say like Ron Harper like that older player, that older guard who kind of knows how this is supposed to work and how yeah. this is supposed to go. That that let's take a quick break, Darius. I want to come when we come back. I want to talk about the Vogel Rondo relationship a little bit more. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Frank Vogel really stood up for Rajan Rondo during his tenure here. Did. Mike spoke to to that. In, and part of that, I think that Vogel's, and this is going to be another pod, Vogel's challenge of this season is I think Rondo can be a bridge between Frank Vogel and the team. I think that 
Frank Vogel can talk to Rondo in a way that like he has Rondo's respect and Rondo has everyone else's respect. And so the areas in which they can find common ground, I think he's an important figure in terms of making all of it work and being a bridge between the coaching staff and all of these superstar players who you need to have a certain level of stature, which is not to say that Frank Vogel does not, but having allies is important in delivering that message. I definitely agree with that. And Rondo's probably at the point of his career where he's no longer that star player who is going to effectively tear down a team potentially because of his inability to get along with other people, right? Like he had a falling out with people in Boston. Rondo did. Now, as they're as they've all gotten older, most of that's been repaired except for with one guy. That one guy went to the Heat and won championships with that team, and that guy is now forever erased from Boston Celtics lore. But Rondo also had a very public and not great relationship with like Rick Carlisle, and things went really south with him in Dallas. Since that point, though, Rondo is, I don't want to say he's remade himself by any means, but almost every other place that he's been now, he's been a force of positive good, right? Mostly with young players, but I think with the Lakers, particularly on that 2019-2020 championship team, he was that sort of bridge player as the guy who the head coach trusted, but was also always in like AD's ear and could talk to LeBron in a very sort of like upfront and honest way. And I think LeBron appreciated that from Rondo, always calling them dough, right? Like, oh, dough this, dough that. Like, and that affinity that LeBron had for Rondo, I think went a long way. And I'm interested to see if that can be reestablished. And if it is like riding a bike, for a lot of these these guys because if it can be then i do think that vogel could have a very interesting partner in crime here that he knows can be an on-court presence for him and maybe a way that dudley was not going to be this upcoming season right but can also do a lot of that lift in the locker room as well and in the film room as well about like, hey, like we got to bring this together because Rondo is that sort of type of no nonsense guy that is going to speak on the basketball stuff super intelligently and is always going to have a basketball solution. And so in a world of managing egos and everything, you still do need that tactical line, yeah. that through line yeah. tactically. And I think Rondo can bring a little bit of both of those things. I just want to point out that and this is for Pete's benefit. The Celtics can't afford to forget about Ray Allen or his contributions because that's the only title that they won in a long time. Yeah, Darius. that's right. You got to really you know? cherish every player, all of the <laughs> end of the bench guys, because, yeah, those opportunities did not come around. All their numbers are retired, Pete. <laughs> right. And so all of those end of the bench players, they all get their numbers retired. Right. Because all of them are so special. They were all <laughs> such valued contributors to championships it's why when you go to the Celtics you have to wear numbers like 78 you, so, you know yeah. or, or 49 40 yeah Anyways. 49 is not a great number you know I can't you know, think of a, a strong side safety yeah so right. the Rondo the Rondo back to the court 
with Rondo. And I think all the off the court stuff is is more important. But then that's that gets back to the early quagmire that I already found myself in in thinking about his place on this roster, because I really don't know what Vogel in specifically Vogel, but that extends to LeBron into the front office and kind of what even Rondo's own intentions, right? What are his, and does he still feel like he wants to be a night to night rotation contributor, or does he feel like he's at that? He is now at the twilight um, of his career. And he could, if you just look at him, I mean, he's still in fan, like ridiculous shape. Okay. This dude's got the full 24 pack. Like he's, he's fine that way. It's just more, what does he see his role on this team? And I'd be real curious to know. And, and I don't know if he's, uh, if he's going to speak before media day um, after like they make the F with the whole signing and all that kind of stuff. But that's, that's of interest to me too. Just the way that he describes what his role will be, the way that Frank Vogel describes it. And you have to think that if, if there's a real strong feeling one way or the other from those two and particularly from Rondo, then that's going to impact the rest of the roster and the rest of the bench rotation and all that. But I'm still overall going to view this as a, a positive thinking that the intangibles are going to win over the rest of the questions, just like they did last time around. And part of this too, guys is because he had some, he had some moments where he really helped the Clippers. Then he fell out of the rotation at times. And that, that was a, I don't, I don't know exactly how to describe the Clippers rotation. It, it was really all over the place uh, in the postseason. So that's a whole nother conversation. But he, it wasn't like he looked completely different from the player that he was in the bubble, which, by the way, as we keep pointing out, was not even a full calendar year ago when he was in the bubble with the Lakers. Yeah, and that's it's crazy to think about that. He he made himself some money. I think he came away with like $15 million and back on the Lakers. So So good for him. I, I want to talk about the tangible, the on-court elements, though. And I, you brought up, Darius, that Vogel trusted him. And I think yeah. part of the reason, though, and maybe I'll be a, a fool and when we come to the regular season and everyone's healthy and Rondo is in the rotation because I don't expect him to be. Because we have a lot more guys who can dribble now than we did the last time that Frank Vogel trusted him. I think that the trust in Rondo goes beyond his swag and his help in the film room and his tactical ability and vision of the game and all of those intangible elements. I think that having guys who can dribble, that the construction of this team is fundamentally different. Kendrick Nunn can handle the ball. He's not a point guard, but he can he can dribble in ways that KCP could not. He's much better ball handler than, than AC was. That is one of the differences that we've made on this team. THT is a more prominent player. More important than anybody, Russell Westbrook is yeah. going to absorb a ton of those. So I'm of the mind that he is coming in for that that Dudley role or something similar beyond just the idea of it being hopes and and that's where I think he's appropriate for. I think on this particular team, what he does bring to the table is something that we have in other places. So that's why I suspect he's more of an injury replacement type of guy. So yes and no. Haven't had one of those that's in right. a little Been while. A yes and no, because yeah, there's a lot of guys who are ball handler types or even offensive initiator types. The last time Rondo played a crucial role, LeBron James was a starting point guard. You remember the starting backcourt for those teams was at first Avery Bradley and Danny Green and then KCP and Danny Green. And it was LeBron who I think he got voted All-NBA first team that season at guard, not at forward. And 
this year, Russell Westbrook is guard, right? He's the starting point guard. LeBron's a forward. And you've got other guys, right? I think none for as much as he's not a point guard. He started a point guard for the Heat almost every single time that he started a game. It was at point guard. So when Dragic was so, injured, yeah. Yes. No, but even before the bubble, Mike, he started over Dragic. And yeah, Dragic yeah. was the uh, he and, was kind of Dragic but, was the backup. Yeah, but that was more of a case of kind of like injuries and so like Dragic was the point guard that Spo would prefer. But it it doesn't matter for the sake of this conversation because you're right. He played he, plenty of point guard. He, yeah, he was a borderline starter on a very good team. Yes, I, I think and, that's the point. Yeah, and he started at, and he did start at point guard basically. Like he shared ball handling duties with Jimmy Butler and some with Tyler Hero and and other guys. And if he played with Dragic, then they would share ball handling duties as well the heat are an interesting team so that's the yes part the flip side what rondo is that no one else is though is that super feel guy the super pass first guy the guy who isn't going to take a lot of shots who isn't a score first ball handler type guy right and so russ we t- we talked about how he doesn't get as much credit for being a field guy and he led the league in assists and so you can't just pigeonhole him as as any one thing but he is a high usage player because he shoots a lot or he has historically none is definitely a shoot first guard as a ball handler tht is definitely a shoot first player as a lead ball handler rondo is the guy who you say hey There's all of these other guys out there who need the ball, right? Who are finishers. And we can give him the ball and say, hey, go out there and set everyone else up. Organize things for other people because other people are who need the ball. Rondo was sometimes, for better or for worse, he did that a lot for Anthony Davis. He like would force feed him the ball. He got Dwight a lot of open looks around the basket and he was doing a lot to sort of set up Kyle Kuzma and all of these other guys who were sort of the finishers that were on the team. And and so I wonder when looking at the roster construction, he is an archetype that I don't think the Lakers really have on their team right now, whether that translates to actual playing time, I don't know. And I agree with your perception of him, Pete, as, as like, Hey, there's other guys who can, initiate your offense for you or set up a play or bring the ball up and not have to worry about them getting defended in a full court situation and giving up the ball. So they don't need Rondo for that, but they could still, there is still an idea of him that is absent on the current roster that if Vogel wanted to use sort of that tunnel vision of, Hey, we could do some of this, right? That he could call on him at the expense of other guys. Yeah, I, I think that there are circumstances and he's one of those players that's very, he's either very appropriate for this game or he is very not. And sometimes it's his own decision within that, but he does bring something to the table with those point guard abilities to that, that in the right circumstances, especially in a high leverage situation. That's the other thing too, is having a guy at the end of your bench who can play in certain playoff games and thrive in them. Great luxury to have. So all in all, uh, go figure. Happy to have Rashan Rondo back. We'll be back tomorrow with a breakdown of the Lakers schedule. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. 
The Angels got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen! It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes! with a little tap to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.